Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. I'm excited to share today on the topic of the danger of unsatisfied expectations. The danger of unsatisfied expectations. And I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. I spoke about this in Spanish about two months ago on a Thursday night. I shared a little bit about this man and this story. And we're going to go a little bit more in depth. And it's the case of Naaman. Amen? So I pray that God speaks to you today. And I pray that you came with an open heart so that God can speak to you. The fact that God speaks, that's a given. The problem is that sometimes we don't come with ears to hear and a heart to take in everything that God's saying. So I pray that every single person here, oh man, that looks like an accident waiting to happen. <laughs> just leave it right there. It's fine. It's cool. Let's just ask God to come into our hearts and, and do whatever he wants to do in our lives. You guys excited? You guys happy? Yeah? All right. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible says, now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. This guy was not your regular joke. He was the commander of the army of the king of Syria. Syria was the most powerful empire during this time, okay? So we're talking about the commander of the army of the most powerful empire, all right? Colin Powell type of guy. He was a great and honorable man. What was he? In the eyes of who? In the eyes of his master, in the eyes of the king, right? Because by him... The Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, you might be thinking, but Syria was enemies of Israel. Yeah, the thing is that Israel was up to no good. And you read in the Old Testament time after time that God delivered them into the hands of their enemies. Well, God is the one who allows the enemies to defeat Israel, right? It's not because of their might. It says here that the Lord had given victory to Syria. It also says about him that he was also a mighty man of valor. We read all these good things about the man, but it's about to go down south us but a leper how familiar is this last statement here of verse one to us how many times do we look at ourselves and we may have this huge thing going for us but on the other side we have this huge lack blessed with incredible talent but super lonely blessed with a lot of money but sick blessed with a beautiful and united family but you're barely getting by one way or another, we can all relate at one point or another in our lives with Naaman. This guy had everything going for him. He was the chief commander of the army. The king loved this guy. He was victorious. He was a slayer. I mean, there was no stopping this guy. He was kind of like gladiator. What was the name of Maximus, was it? His name? Maximus what? What was his last name? Well, Maximus. Let's just call him Maximus. So this guy was like a Maximus guy, type of gladiator. No one could overcome this guy, but on hindsight, he was a leper. And the Bible says that the Syrians had gone out on raids. And during all this conquest that the Syrian army had done, they went into Israel. They captured a lot of people from Israel. And among them, they got a young girl. Are you guys reading with me? She waited on Naaman's wife. So she became the servant of this guy's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria. Samaria is in Israel. For he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman heard from his wife. I guess, you know, that night, his wife probably told him, Naaman, you know what? We got a servant. 
the servant that you brought back from Israel, she says that there's a person in Israel that can heal you. You may have leprosy, and they may say that that's an impossible situation, that you're going to die of that, but there's somebody in Israel that can heal you. God is looking for some, some people here in JTP Church like this young girl, that you're just waiting for an opportunity to see a need to fill it, waiting for an opportunity just to demonstrate the glory of God. You know, as a church, we can't stay silent. We can't stay silent. We have to always be with our radars like this, like, like on point, waiting for somebody to say, man, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't been having a good week, or I feel depressed, or I, I'm sick, for you to start saying, you know what, give me an opportunity to pray for you, and you're going to see the power of my God. And that's exactly what this girl was. And it's not even New Testament, but this girl was a witness. Amen? This girl was a witness. So she started telling, you know, the lady that she was serving, and his wife talked to him and he said, look, you got to go. You got to go to Israel because there's somebody that can heal you. And the Bible says, Naaman went in and told his master, the king, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. You guys following me? Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened that when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and he said, am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends me someone so that I could heal him of leprosy? He's like saying, how in the world am I going to heal him? Am I God? I can't do that. And keep in mind that Israel was captured by Syria. So if king of Israel didn't do what the king of Syria said, his head could fly off. All right. So this guy, he's freaking out. So it was when Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Wow. I'm praying that God will lift up prophets and young people here in JTP Church. Come on, would somebody lift their hands and receive this? Because this is for you. This is what God wants you to be. A response, an answer, a solution to this generation that we're living. Why are you freaking out, King? Send them our way because this is an opportunity so that he can know that our God is real. Wow, this is powerful. The Bible says that then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot and all his stuff. And he stood at the door of Elijah's house with his whole posse and his whole entourage. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and he said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I want to stop there for a while. I want everybody to scream. He was furious. This guy got mad. He got extremely upset. And there's an important lesson for all of us to learn here in the verses that we just finished reading. He got really upset. And because he got really upset, he opened his big mouth. The first part wasn't the problem. The latter was. It's not the fact that he got upset. It's what he did because he was upset. And sometimes the same thing can be said about us. Apostle Paul tells us that there's no problem. It's not a sin to get mad. But if you don't deal with that feeling or with that emotion quickly, then that can lead you and that can get you into trouble. And that's exactly what happened to Naaman. He opened his big mouth. Anger 
can either be controlled or it can drive you out of control. So let's be honest. How many of us have gotten so upset and so worked up at a certain point in our lives that we said something that we later regretted or that we maybe didn't even mean and we hurt somebody that we loved? Anybody? Me. <laughs> I think every single person here has done it. We've all gotten into a you know, heated discussion and we're like, ah, and the person's telling us something and we just want to outdo the person and we don't think about what we're saying. And then we end up hurting the person and then we have to work twice as hard to mend the situation or wait for long extended periods of time for that person to get over the dumb thing that you didn't even mean. So this guy got furious and he got super upset. Why is it that sometimes it's hard for us to admit when we're wrong? I'll tell you why. It's because you'd have to admit that you lost the argument. So you're there, I don't know, I've, we've had discussions with my wife and stuff like that, and like every couple does. Sometimes you even defend something that you know is wrong, but you're just, you just want to be right. Even though you, inside of you, you're wrong, but you just want to just be able to fight it till you convince the other person that they are wrong, even when you know that you're wrong. But we hate losing arguments. And that's exactly why some people continue arguing, trying to prove that you're right when you know yourself that you're wrong. Now, what is the right thing to do when you're in the middle of an argument or a heated discussion? I want you to go with me to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. And here we have the solution to this problem, all right? Whenever you're in an argument with somebody and things are getting heated and things are starting to escalate, this is what the Bible says to get out of that situation the best way possible. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. If somebody comes to you with an attitude, some people <laughs> have a very short fuse, and they answer that attitude with more attitude. That's not the first part of this verse. That would be the second part, in case you didn't discern it, right? <laughs> or interpret it that way. It says when you respond to somebody that's probably not treating you the best of ways, but if somebody comes aggressively because that person was hurt, their feelings were offended or something, and you come with that aggression and you add more aggression, you know what? All you're doing is stirring up anger. Things are going to get worse. And the more anger there is between both people that are having the discussion, the less of a chance that the situation is going to get resolved. But if somebody comes up to you with an attitude and you kill them softly with love, and you come and you easier way and you, you have a soft answer, things change. That's what Proverbs here is saying. So, so ladies, if your husband had a long, hectic day at work and he's a bit jumpy, you know what? Sit him down, give him a nice little massage, cook him some arroz con picadillo, you know, or whatever he likes. And when he's all relaxed, speak about the issue. How many say amen? Guys, if your wife or girlfriend starts complaining about something you forgot to do around the house. This happens, for those that are not married yet, very often. <laughs> something you forgot to do around, you forgot to change the light bulb, you forgot to do this. Carly laughs, I don't know why. <laughs> you know, just grab her while she's giving you all these things that you should have done and tell her, have I told you today that those big brown eyes drive me crazy? <laughs> and when you start easing your way. It's not that you're avoiding the problem. You're just turning away wrath. 
this is just a parenthesis. It's not what I'm talking about, but this could help somebody. Apply it to wherever you need. Now, look what happens here. We're back to the case of Naaman. The Bible says that Naaman spoke to himself. If you read carefully what this guy did, he spoke to himself. Now, if this was a conversation, then you could try to prove your point and convince the other person, right? Because if there's two people having a discussion, no, but you did this, no, but the right thing to do is this, and you could convince the other person about what's right. But what do you do when you're having an argument all by yourself, and you're talking to yourself, and you're furious like Naaman was? Speaking to yourself when you're upset is a horse of a different color. Look what Naaman started thinking. He wanted to be healed of his leprosy, and the king helped him out, sending a letter to the other king. The prophet said, bring him over. I'll go ahead and pray for him. And he's at the prophet's house. But look what he thought. He says, when the prophet finds out that it's me, Naaman, <laughs> the commander of the army of prestigious Syrian empire, general, he will feel honored to receive me. He will run to me, like Whitney Houston sings. <laughs> and will call out to God. He will lift his hands, touch my leprosy, and I will be healed. This guy played out a whole movie in his head of how God was going to do what he wanted him to do. Sometimes that happens to us. Gabby was on fire today, leading worship, declaring, and it's so true. God always fulfills his promises. How many say amen? amen. But he's not going to do it the way you want him to do it. And not always does he do it when you want him to do it, God's timing is perfect. Yours is not. Neither is mine. So sometimes, even if we know that God is going to do it, sometimes we could get so upset that God didn't do it how he wanted it or when we wanted it. And that is the case with this man. He is incredibly, incredibly upset. He's furious. And in his mind, he had created this whole scenario, this whole thing. And he even says, this guy's going to lift his hands, call out unto God, and touch my leprosy come on who touched the leper nobody jesus like hundreds of years and because he was jesus because nobody would touch a leper it's contagious you touch a leper you become a leper but this guy had formulated this whole thing in his head and you know sometimes we have these expectations we draw up in our minds about how other people should be how they should treat us at work at home in marriage even at church can i go there even at church, and this person, he comes to church and treats me like that way. And we have all these expectations, and instead of, with a soft answer, putting off anger, what we're doing is instigating. We have expectations about the songs that should be sung in worship, how the pastor should preach, how the offering should be collected or not collected at all, and how the dance team should dance. <laughs> we even have a dose of name and occasionally. As we tell God how he should work in our lives. God, you should do this. Like we are the ones that tell God what to do. The prophet didn't even come out of his house. This guy felt disrespected. He's like, I am the commander. All right. Y'all know who I am? The prophet sent his servant, his servant, sorry, to tell Naaman, look, this is what you got to do. You're going to go to the Jordan River and you're going to jump off the pier seven times. And you will be healed and will be a leper no more. Now, let me ask you something. Isn't that the result that he traveled all the way over there with his chariot and his entourage for? Wasn't that what he was after in the end, being healed? 
He just wanted the prophet to do it the way he imagined. You know, there's people in church that come in church and they can't receive because you're upset because God didn't do something the way you wanted him to do. The way you thought in your mind that you wanted him to do. We can't receive because we're offended with other people because you thought or you expected them to treat you a different way and they didn't. For whatever reason, maybe they were wrong. You're letting people, other people that you can't control, steal the blessing that God has for your life. And I'll tell you why this happens. Everyone say expectations. We got them too. We got upset too. We got expectations about everything. God, why haven't you saved my parents yet? What's taking you so long? Did God promise you that he's going to save your family? So you should be holding on to that promise. Leave the time and the place to God. Doesn't mean you should stop praying and declaring it and doing all the things that Christian people should do. Don't be upset if God takes too long according to your clock. Lord, I prayed so hard that he would ask me out on a date and he hasn't yet. You see how sometimes we're not too different from Naaman? Unfulfilled expectations that are not surrendered at the feet of the cross can lead to resentment. They can lead to anguish, gossip, and fights with everyone you see, and just coming to church and feeling cold, like the Holy Spirit just got up and left. And you could be looking around and say, what in the world happened to JTP? I don't feel anything when I come to church. I used to feel the fire. And you don't realize that you're the iceberg. Because you have all these expectations that you built up. You don't let the Holy Spirit work in your life the way he wants you. It's hard for you to forgive other people. We have to be quick to forgive people. And if you're not, the enemy's constantly going to send you people that are going to step on your toes. And you're always going to be upset. And you're always going to come here and you're going to be, be frowning. So you got to be wise on how to deal with these type of things. Now look what happened. If Naaman would have stayed furious and left with his expectations unmet, he would have died a leper. If in that moment, when he saw the servant come out and he said, hold on, where's the prophet? Oh, no, he's just, uh, he's using the bathroom. <laughs> he just sent me, does he know who I am? If he would have gotten so furious, which he did, and he would have continued and let that harbor in his heart to the point that he would have left, I guarantee you he would have died a leper. And we would have been talking about Job or Jonah or somebody else with a J tonight, right? But there are a lot of things that will never change in our lives unless our expectations change. And look what happened. Verse number 12. This is something he said while he's furious, talking to himself. Remember that he never had a fight. He never had a confrontation with anybody. He felt betrayed. He felt that, you know, he deserved a red carpet. And he's talking to himself and he's like, are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went away in a rage. He was furious. Now he's enraged. It's escalating. It's getting bad. He's about to lose his blessing. And here's where a lot of people miss out on their blessings, on their petitions, on their fulfilled promises and whatnot. He was enraged still and left. What made him leave? His anger. His anger made him leave. He was enraged and left. Be careful what you say when you're upset, but be even more careful with what you tell yourself 
when you are upset. Because sometimes you tell other people half of what you're really feeling. Am I right? <laughs> sometimes you're like, oh, let me, let me not go all out on this person. So let's be clear here. Sometimes we're even hypocrites and we say, oh, everything's all good. Praise the Lord. And you're sitting down there and you know you have all these things inside of you. You have bitterness and you have against a brother, against a sister, against a situation, against God sometimes. Where are you, God? Why did you let my loved one pass away? Why did you allow the situation to happen? Where were you in the midst of my suffering? Where were you? And we have all, these, all this anger inside. We should all come to church with high expectations. I'm not saying you shouldn't have expectations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about expectations of when God should do something or how. Sometimes we make statements like, I'm tired of putting up with my wife. I'm out. Or apostle always asking for offerings. I'm tired of giving. And we don't realize that giving unlocks more blessings than anything I could think of. So my question to you tonight is, what are you telling yourself in secret? What do you speak to yourself when there's nobody around? I know we could be great Christians here in church. And lift our hands and say, amen, we're going to conquer the world. What are our fruits saying? Are we bringing people to church? Are we witnessing to our friends? Are we bringing our family members? Are we talking to people when we go do our nails? Not our nails, I'm sorry, your nails. <laughs> Don't do my nails. <laughs> but when you're doing things out and about, when you're in the world, when you're talking to people, are we being a witness of Jesus? Are we like this young girl that even though she was captive, in a faraway land that served other gods, still she was a witness, knowing that she could probably lose her life because she's telling the person of a prophet that served a God that's not the God. Do you realize what kind of danger she could be in? But she was a true witness, and God's looking for witnesses today. I don't know what I'm saying that, not in my notes, but God knows why. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, the verse I promised you, it says, be angry. Come on, tell the person next to you, woo, God gives me permission to get angry. Hey, anger is an emotion. So sometimes you can't control it. It just comes out of you. You can get angry. But before you start cheering that first part of the verse, make sure you read the second part as well. And do not sin. So be angry, but don't get to the point where anger is going to cause you to start talking bad about people questioning God, sometimes even getting physical. So we got to be very, very, very careful. Be angry and do not sin. And then he gives you the response on how you can be able to achieve that. He says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. If you go to sleep one night, just one night, one night that you didn't take care of the person that offended you and you're upset at that person and you slept on it, you're giving way to the devil. It's, it's an open door. It's like uh, instead of locking a door and a person can't get in, it's like leaving it unlocked and opening it and leaving it in. Easy to get in. You just push it and he's in. And he gets into your life and that's how resentment comes. That's how all these things, bitterness, your heart starts getting cold and you don't realize that instead of drawing people to you because of that beautiful personality that God gave you, now you're repelling people. Why do people don't want to be close to me? And you don't realize that it's because all you're producing, all you're harboring inside is bitterness. And what's in here is always going to eventually come out. So God is saying, look, be wise. Get angry. Get angry. People are going to offend you, and you have all the right to get angry. And you have all the right to confront people. If somebody does you wrong, go up to the person. Instead of 
gossiping to your best friend about what the other person did, go up to that person in their face and tell them, you know what you did, I didn't like. You offended me. The apostle spoke about this today. You give that person an opportunity to humble themselves and say, you know what, if I did something wrong, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And you squash it. Things that could have been squashed in 20 minutes, I've known people that have been dying inside for 20 years because they didn't follow what God says, which is beneficial to all of us. It's very hard to fall asleep when you're enraged. Anger triggers insomnia. When you're upset, when you're livid, you can't fall asleep. You're just thinking about how you can get back at that person. You're just thinking about vengeance. And if you don't believe me, before you go to sleep, think about what ticked you off the most during the day, what got you upset, and you can be certain you won't fall asleep as long as you're thinking about that. Don't try this at home. I'm just proving a point. But it's true. If you're worked up and you're the type of person that remembers everything and you did this to me, you're going to pay. Man, you know what? You're in for a very, very nasty life. And God wants you to live in freedom. Forget what people did for you. Give it unto the Lord. Forgive them and you just keep on going and make sure that nothing steals your peace. Amen? We all get angry. We get upset. Let's, let's see a show of hands of all the people that have ever gotten angry at least once in your life. Every single person, every single, except those that are asleep. No, there's none. There's none. I was just kidding. Apostle Paul said, get ticked off, but before the day is over, get over it. You'd be surprised how many husbands and wives commit adultery, not because they don't love the person, but because they're angry because something the other person did to them. And because of that, they commit adultery. And then they don't realize that because of that, they end up losing their entire marriage, their children. I mean, it's just, it's a wreck. If you're not quick to deal with anger, you will always be trapped in your own world of trying to get even. Trying to get even. Naaman didn't do this. He was furious, but look what happened. I want you to read verse 13. I'm finishing up right here. It says, and his servants came near and spoke to him. Man, this is proof that the... God could sometimes even use unbelievers. His servants, they came up to him and they said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, just go and wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And the Bible says, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Can we give God praise for that? Amen. Give me two minutes. The key was not in the river. Jordan River does not have magical powers. How many of you people have ever seen a tourist come back from Israel? 99% of them bring a little jar and says, this is water from the Jordan River. You could put that all over. You could take a bath in that water. Nothing's going to happen because it's not a river of magical power. <laughs> the key was in the word of the prophet because he was a man of God. I'm praying for God to activate people, to start just giving out word, to start talking to people in faith. It's time. It's time. This generation needs it. There's a lot of people suffering and they're looking, for, they're looking for it in so many other ways and in so many wrong places. And God is looking for young people, young women, young men, adults, senior citizens, kids, youth to have a word 
when somebody's confused, for you to go and clear them up on what they're confused about and tell them, look, Jesus is the way. It's good to have friends that make us reflect in the midst of our anger. I'm going to say it again. It's good to have friends that when you're angry about something, they make you reflect. Because sometimes we think that friends are the people that always get on our side. That's not a friend. That you're upset because something, something that happened in church, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to leave this church because, and, and the person tells you, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking of leaving too. We should both leave. True friend is somebody that smacks you with the word, all right? Word. <laughs> I heard some smacks go around. I hope it, maybe I should have said it earlier. A true friend is somebody that's telling you, hey, wh- what are you doing? You know the word. How long have you been in church and you're going to do this? You're going to go to sleep tonight without fixing this? No, you come right over here and you go and get the other person. You go, you guys talk it out, hug it out. If it takes all night, but you guys got to fix it right now. Whether it's in the worship team, whether it's down here, that's what a true friend is. These servants of Naaman, they must have held him dearly. I don't think they did it out of obligation. I think they saw this man that he was so valiant. But then in the secret, they saw him how he was suffering in silence. You feel for people that are so strong in one area, and then you see them, you know, sometimes in church it happens, you see people worshiping, and you see, you know, they're, they're warriors in faith, but then you see them having a problem in their finances or something, and as pastors, as leaders, you cry out for them, and, and, and you don't want to see them that way. And I think these servants saw Naaman that way, and they spoke to him. And I want you to see how they spoke to him. They started off by saying, my father. Look how they relate to him. They didn't say, oh, Sir General or commander of the army of Syria. He said, my father. That's Proverbs 15.1 in action. Soft answer. He's enraged. He's upset. He's like, I can't believe this guy. He's telling me to, out of all the freaking rivers in Damascus, clear water that I could see. It's like Cosumel. You could see all the way down, 100 feet. Clear visibility. And they, they're telling me to go jump in Jordan. Jordan River is brown. It's nasty. See? It's nasty. Even today, if you see it, it's, I can't believe it. And he's all worked up. And then these guys come out and say, my father, you who tear up lions with your teeth. It's not in the Bible. So just encourage your creativity. You who tear up lions with your mouth and who has given Syria victory after victory and helped the king build this huge empire. They tell him, if the prophet would have asked you for something super difficult, would you have done it? If you would have told him, I want 10 tiger heads here before noon, would have you rallied us up and gone to look for those 10 tigers? And the guy's like, maybe. <laughs> How much more for something this simple? Let's call it a day at the river. Let's go and jump off the pier. Let's have, let's have a river day. We have beach days here in Florida. They had river days back then. Let's have a river day. It's not a big deal. How much longer are you going to suffer with that sickness? And because they had a soft answer, this guy, the commander of the army, he reconsidered and he said, you know what? All right, I'll give it a chance. And we just finished reading what was the outcome. He went to the river. I could imagine, you know, his servant saying, oh my gosh, if this guy doesn't get healed, we should run for our lives because he's going to come after us. But just like the prophet had said, after the seventh, he took a dip the first time, came up, looked at himself, and still leper. Seven times, and on the seventh time he gets up, completely healed. 
to the point that he gets up with all these things, animals, he, he had gold, he had silver, and he went to the prophet's house to give him all these presents. And the prophet said, you know what, I don't want presents. I don't want presents. I'm just glad that you're healed. And, and God did the work. I wonder how many times we let anger or like we're talking about today, unsatisfied expectations work us up and keep us from all the things that God has for our lives and that he's promised over us. People that try to help you control your anger and rage are good people. How many of you guys have some good friends around you? Come on. Give a shout out to somebody that you love, right? How many of you are grateful? God did the miracle. And I want to close up with this. Jeremiah 32, 27. If you could put it up in the screens. And this is God speaking to you today. Maybe you're angry with God, with a friend, with a person in church, out of church. Maybe you're upset with the pastor. Forgive me. I'm not perfect. But look what God tells you tonight. This is for you. This is for you if you're able to humble yourself before God. He says, behold, I am the Lord. He wants you to know that he is God. And not just God, the Lord. He is the king. The God of all flesh. And he asks you tonight, is there anything too hard for me? Ponder on that question for a few seconds. God's telling you today, for that, that had you worked up and angry and questioning God and stuff, God's asking you today, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too hard for me? Why have you stopped believing? Why have you shifted from having faith to becoming faithless? Or from believing God to now being bitter, from believing to being bitter. Why? If today you're able to, just like Naaman, in this case, it's not the servants that are here speaking to you. It's the Holy Spirit. Thank God for him that we have him now, that he lives inside of us. And when we're up to no good, even if we have no one around that he could, you know, tug at our hearts and say, hey, what are you doing? Believe in God. What he promised is true. I want you to stand on your feet, JTP Church, today. And I want you to know, I want you to know tonight that there's nothing too difficult for God to do. Listen to me, everyone, everyone here. There's nothing too difficult for God to do. And I'm going to say it a third time, just in case you were still wondering or doubting. There's nothing too difficult for God to do. That situation, that's impossible for you, that's impossible for science, that's impossible for your parents to solve, that you feel it's impossible for anyone to do, God can do it. Impossible is in the devil's dictionary, not God's. He doesn't know that word. Possible is in God's dictionary. All things are possible. Everything for God is easy and possible. This is not something that it's frequently preached. It's not a popular topic probably. But if there's people here that have anger, whether it's against God, against someone, or maybe just doubts, maybe not anger, but doubts and questioning, and why has God not done this? Or why has God taken so long? And why is God not activating the promise that he told me he'd give me? Why is my calling taking so long to manifest? Why, why? And you could get worked up on that. And the enemy steals that peace, the joy. I want you to come up front and I want to pray for you if that's the case. And we declare in Jesus' name that the same thing that happened to Naaman is going to happen to you. Whatever was impossible and healing someone from leprosy, that's impossible. 
And the same way that through the prophet's word, this guy was healed. Whatever your situation is, I believe that as you lay your anger down, as you lay your questions down, as you lay your unbelief down, God is going to go ahead and respond tonight, right now. Is there anybody else believing that? Amen. Let's worship. And if this is you, I want you to come here because I want to pray for you.